Welcome to the A Plus EdTech Coaching Podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking about all things EdTech coaching. In this episode, I bring back Catherine Goyette and Adam Juarez. Uh, they were in an earlier episode, um, one of the first episodes when I relaunched this podcast, where we talked about what is an EdTech coach. Um, Catherine and Adam have written a book called The Complete EdTech Coach, and I'm going to just tell you a little story. So when I was writing my book, The EdTech Coaching Primer, I didn't see any EdTech coaching books on the shelves. And so I took my experiences as an EdTech coach, my experiences as a a leader of EdTech coaches, as a tech director, um, and I put a lot of that plus a lot of research from my dissertation uh, into writing this book. And as I, I signed the contract with ISTE to publish my book, and literally two days later, um, I see pop up in my Facebook feed the complete EdTech coach. And I was a little nervous. I was nervous that, um, first of all, we might have uh, some contradictory ideas. And, and the last thing I wanted was to have to see two EdTech coaching books out there, the first two EdTech coaching books out there, um, contradict each other. Uh, Because it's really important to me, and one of my goals with my book and with this podcast and with everything that I do with with, uh, EdTech coaching, is to get the word out there about what an important role this is. Um, And I truly believe that every school should have this role, and I believe that... um, Every teacher should have access to an ed tech coach. But I think one of the problems is defining what that is and what that looks like in schools. And so I was I was petrified that we were going to have very different ideas of uh, what an ed tech coach was. Uh, my second fear was that the book was going to be so similar to mine that it was going to negate the necessity for mine, um, which neither of those things happened. Um, I purchased the book immediately. I uh, looked through it on a Kindle. I downloaded it on my Kindle and I started reading it. And um, Catherine and Adam do a beautiful job of telling their stories uh, about being ed tech coaches and the lessons that they've learned and sharing those lessons with ed tech coaches. Um, I would say that I, I think that my book and their book are great companions for each other. So um, if you're out buying or if you've purchased the EdTech Coaching Primer, um, I do suggest that you go out and you pick up the complete EdTech Coach. Uh, but I am excited for this conversation. Um, they're great and wonderful people to talk to. I, I think that we talked for about another 30 minutes after the recording of this episode, um, and I could have spoken to them all night. But um, without further ado, uh, here is my episode with uh, Catherine Goyette and Adam Juarez. Thank you so much for joining today. Uh, can you guys each uh, state your name and your job title and where you're at? Sure. My name is Catherine Goyette, and I am currently an ed tech and integrated studies consultant for a county office in Central California. So um, I spend over 100 days per year at school sites in classrooms with teachers and students, um, coaching them to integrate technology um, and um this is my sixth year uh, doing that. It's a great gig. I love it. Um, and I also, um, prior to that, um, I was a 
teacher for kinder, first, second, fifth, and sixth grades. So mostly all elementary. And um, I also am co-author of um, a book called The Complete EdTech Coach. And I am Adam Waters. I am her co-author for that book. Uh, this is now just finished my 16th year in education on the same district. First 10 years, I was a um, U.S. world history teacher for middle school and high school. And the last six years, been on assignment as an EdTech integration coach. Um, so I'm out here in uh, rural Central California for Cutler Orosi Joint Unified School District. So tell us about the book. Like if I were an ed tech coach and I picked up your book, what am I, what am I looking at? So the book is full of um, examples of things that worked and didn't work for us. Uh, we wrote the book that we wish we had when we started as ed tech coaches. There wasn't a book around um, or a lot of guidance because this was a pretty new position where we were at. And so we learned a lot along the way about um, what, it, what are good ways to um, relate with teachers, to uh, make sure that technology is effective in classrooms and that you're leading with the learning, not with the tech. Um, but really, it's an organic method. It's, um, we like to say, and we don't say it just because we're California. Um, I'll have Adam explain that in a, in a moment here. But um, yeah, we really wrote the book we wish we had. But Adam, why don't you talk a little bit about what that means when what people can expect by this organic coaching method? Well, organic means that, as you said earlier, one of our famous quotes from the book is leading with learning, never with tech. And that usually that throws people off because aren't you tech coaches? But we're not about the tech, we're about the learning. And we're not going to do tech for, for, for tech's sake. We're not going to, we're, uh, we're not just PD delivery systems, which is uh, an easy trap to, to fall into when you are, uh, when, when you are in this position. Um, we, we, we want the tech to happen naturally. So we start with, you know, we kind of plan with the four seasons. Another one of our quotes is, you plan with the four seasons in mind, the tech will take care of itself. Uh, we just recently did a, a session um, for ISTE um, about planning with the four seasons, how the tech comes organically and naturally uh, when you plan with that as your focus. We, we tend to use that instead of uh, framework like like SAMR or TPAC or T3. But we're not saying that you know it's any better, but as far as um, those other frameworks are, we like to think are more teacher-centered. And we think when you plan the four C's, it's more learner-centered. And for um, the way the successes we've had in our job, planning with the four C's in mind have definitely been a uh, um, been uh, our biggest successes. I like that because I know that I know a lot of people who lead with like SAMR and don't get me wrong. I like SAMR. I think it's a great tool to kind of gauge where you are most of the time, but in some instances, substitution is okay. In some instances, if that's what the learning needs. So that's what I'm kind of hearing from you is that your book is talking about more of that student-centered approach as opposed to I am kind of grading myself as a teacher. Yeah, and that also, what's great about that is it helps take the pressure off of teachers. Um, we talk a lot about um, how to approach tech-hesitant teachers because a lot of teachers feel like, um, well, you're the tech coach, you're all techie. I can't do that. I don't, I'm not good with tech. And so what we're saying is it's not that you as the teacher are using a lot of technology. It's how can you as a teacher give the kids the power 
and the ability to use technology to engage with the four C's, to communicate, to collaborate, to think critically, to uh, be creative. And so in that, the teacher doesn't necessarily even have to know how to use the tech many times, um, you know, depending on grade level. Uh, the students can do that themselves. And so that takes that pressure off of, oh, this coach is coming in and looking at me. No, I'm coming in and looking at your students because I want them to be empowered to use technology to engage with the four C's. So it's kind of a flip of um, what some of us are used to, um, but it really has made a big difference in uh, the way that we coach and the way that we reach teachers and their students. So how many teachers do each of you support? Because that's like a big question. And I, I know that people who do ed tech coaching, there's this huge range. You know, some will support a single school, um, which might be um, 50 teachers, or they might support three schools, or I've heard of people with 30 schools that they support, and they end up being like a professional developer. How many teachers, because I know, um, Kat, you said you were district level, so how many teachers do you guys support? Um, Adam, go ahead. You can go first. I, I, I serve three schools. Um, that's probably about 130 teachers for me, and uh, so the, it's not it's not an impossible load. Uh, I couldn't imagine doing any more, but I've heard of plenty of people who are doing like 20, 30 schools. I'm like, for one of you, that's that's really not ideal. You know, more power to you. Uh, good luck. But uh, it's definitely a there, there's a need for tech coaches. If you have one person doing 30, 30 schools, then there's definitely a need for more. And we we, we want to think we like to think that, that our book is out there to, to help anyone who wants to get started uh, with that. Yeah. So um, I actually um, work with probably between any school year, maybe around eight uh, districts, some are single school districts. Um, and so, gosh, that could be, I haven't really thought about the number of teachers that I serve, to be honest. Um, but, you know, one of those districts may have 12 teachers. And then another one of those eight districts may have something more like 40 or 50. Um, and so, it can, I think that what we learn in, and I know Adam does the same thing, even with three schools, that's a lot um, that he has. And so we learn a lot about the ways to maximize our efficiency and our impact. Um, and so we really like to be out in classrooms and walking uh, into classrooms, which may seem difficult with such a large amount of teachers that we work with. Um, but as we're doing that, we get we we are in the environment and we're able to see oh you know what adam's great at writing blog posts to address needs he sees as he's walking classrooms for example um, i like to add quick tips to my website when i see things that teachers are in need of so um, part of it is curating um, resources and then follow-up is key um, as as well but um, you really have to we've learned you have to be strategic um, when you are working with that many teachers. And so there's a portion of the book um, that talks just about the logistics of the job and things that we've learned that way. Um, because otherwise you feel like you're running around with a, like a chicken with its head cut off. I mean, it's just, there's so much going on um, 
and you're trying to help everyone, you know. Yeah, that was that was going to be my next question was how do you approach that with having different locations you have to be at um, just because it seems like a lot. And how do you meet some of those just in time needs um, when you're not physically able to be around those teachers? Um, So I, I guess I'm asking like. How, how do you approach that? And then I'll ask my other follow-up questions that are swimming in my head because I'm just so excited to, because where I've worked, it's one tech coach per school. And so that is a very different feel than having to move location to location. So I'm really interested in your approach. Well, <clears throat> you know, well, one of the things that we, we really were intentional about in writing this book was that we wasn't going to read like a manual or a textbook. You know, we're not saying this plus this equals this output because it's anybody who's been in education knows that it's not that scientific. It's uh, teaching and coaching is definitely an art. And um, so really we're, um, we, one of our quotes is from Jimmy Casas. He talks about how he, talks, he, he focuses on admin. He, he says, you know, I, I don't, my book here that doesn't have uh, answers, but it has a lot, lots of stories and experience. So everything that we say comes from our experience. We're not going to say it's going to work 100% all the time, or in, in, or in everybody else's context. But for us, as far as you know, dealing with multiple school sites, you know, one of the things we do a lot is um, <clears throat> when I can't be at a place, I, I'm always available. You have to be at available as as many avenues as possible. You see, because that, that's that's what the job is. You know. Most people say, I, I just want to be emailed. Well, we, okay, well, that, that, that's your prerogative. But for us, we're available through email, through instant message, through text message, through social media. And I, I, I get requests across all those platforms. Some teachers will only uh, DM me on Facebook. Some are using Google Chat. Others will constantly come to my, uh, my, uh, my uh, online office hours on, or on call hours when, when, uh, on Google Meet. Some will only send emails. Some just want to text. And being available in as many ways you, as possible definitely is, helps you multiply your impact and be in more places at once. Another thing we always do, uh, we like to respond to messages with a screencast. Is Because so, what may uh, be needed by someone else or what someone's asking for, there's probably a good chance other people need help with the same thing. So you have, again, you create that screencast and then you have it saved on a playlist, curated on, on, your, on your website. And you can easily access it for the future for people to uh, to refer to. So, uh, something as simple as screencasting your 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 email responses are is, uh, very um, very useful. Yeah, just to add on to what Adam said, um, uh, once uh, I know, I think Adam started um, a website, or his his website was a lot more useful than mine was uh, uh, years ago. I think he started that a little before I did. But once I re- personally revamped my website to be a lot more useful for teachers to find things, they had, I was contacted a little less because they knew, um, or if they did contact me, I had an instant resource I could send them to. Oh, it's on the website. It's on the Google. You're looking for Google Forms. Perfect. Go to the Google Forms area. You'll find uh, the screencast you need, or you'll find whatever it happens to be. And so that really does help a lot having that one spot where people can go, um, a one-stop shop. I used to send out, and I know a lot of coaches do this, and it's great, um, and I know coaches, I, I think Adam still does this in addition to keeping up his website, but a lot of coaches will have like a, a weekly 
newsletter with tech tips, which is awesome. And I used to do that, but I didn't have that follow that website as well. That was that one-stop shop where people could go and search for exactly what they needed. And so that makes a big difference. Um, I also find that you have to, what, what I've started doing as well, which has helped a lot is I calendar um, quick check-ins, um, like just an email check-in to remind teachers that even though um, I might not be scheduled at their school site until a month from now, I'm still available via email. And then maybe I'll put in a quick, like um, a quick tip that like just a quick little like screencast or something that I'd made for someone else that may be helpful for them. But that has increased their communication because um, sometimes they forget. It's been a while when you're working with a lot of schools. Oh, yeah, Catherine's not going to be back until such and such time. And so they kind of forget to try something new. So um, just making those uh, those quick little emails and it can be a group email to a whole bunch of people at once. They don't mind. It still it still seems to help. Do you get to do any co-planning, co-teaching experiences and how to how does that look especially with a schedule where you're jumping from place to place yeah that that's actually something i'm doing in a couple weeks um with uh, some of our departments and when we talk about the book that's where actually one of the best places for you to actually do your tech coaching um for it to be most organic because if they've already planned everything out and then you come in a few weeks in the school and you're suggesting giving feedback and suggesting these these little tweaks, they don't want to do it because they've spent all this time putting this work together. But if you're there in the PLCs on the planning days, you can, you know, inject your 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 feedback and expertise right then and there before they put that whole plan together. That's definitely something that, uh, uh, at least where I work, I, I'm encouraged to do as much as possible. I'm going to be working with our high school uh, history department in a couple uh, couple weeks, uh, over a couple of days, planning out the whole year. And so, in fact, I'm there well, when they plan is going to make tech integration, like we like to say, uh, very organic. Going back to what Catherine was saying earlier about um, with the tech tips, um, a non-tech way that I can I can be in many places, no joke, is is the restroom. So I copied this from Google, and I had a, a friend of mine who in a neighboring district did something similar. I'm like, I, I told him to do this. It's uh, I call it, um, um, it's called um, Google on the loo. So what I would do, I would just create like a one pager or something, and every week I would change it out. And I, in all three schools, in the staff restrooms, I would post on the wall, right where, right where they're, right where, where they would get next to where they would uh, dry their hands. So they're drying their hands. There's something up there that changes every week. Something that's that silly actually will uh, make a huge difference. People would say, "Oh, I saw it in the restroom. You know, can you tell me more about this?" And I always put a message here: uh, contact me if you want to learn more. So that's definitely uh well, it was definitely a win yeah with like a qr code because you know they got their their phone in there um yeah <laughs> like google put stuff in the stalls no joke wow it, it, like you're 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 in the stall and they have like little coding challenges for you i'm like yeah, that's a great idea i also need to know which yeah. device to use google's listening to <laughs> google's yeah. listening to you yeah, it's always listening <laughs> anyways yeah, as far as the co-plan, co-teach, um, I agree with Adam that it's a very powerful strategy um, or co-planning and then watching them teach and then giving some feedback. Um, something that um, I've done with some districts that have been has been really helpful is having the teachers, um, we all co-plan together and then one person will teach 
the one that maybe feels the most comfortable with a tech, or maybe if it's a if it's a district that these teachers are a little new and a little bit uh, more leery of uh, teaching in front of me, maybe I'll teach it and then we'll we'll debrief afterwards. So sometimes it's nice to have a whole team, like all of fourth grade. So I've done that um, a few times and that's been really um, effective as well because they can all feel like they're on the same page and the same team as they're going through that process. Is it always a request from the teachers for you to come in and co-plan or co-teach with them? Or do you have other ways of identifying uh, who to work with in that way? For, for me, I have a district I'm working with this coming year where there are designated like tech, there's a tech lead in each grade level that is volunteering to take on this work. So they're like the first one that's gonna go through this process. And with the idea that they can kind of build the capacity of those on site, because again, I'm not there every day. Um, so for that particular instance, it's an admin expectation, I suppose, um, beginning with the willing. Um, but sometimes there are teachers who will ask um, to meet and do a co-plan, um, co-teach as well. So uh, that, that's my experience. How about you, Adam? I work really closely with the rest of our instructional coaching team. So I'm working with the science lead, the math lead, the LA lead, the ELD lead, and I'm always up to date on when they're planning. And whenever I see what they're planning, I make a point of it to be there. I, I don't I don't ask, I, I'm just there. And uh, I, I don't force my way in, but you know, it, it, it is, I have such a good relationship with them that if, I show, if I'm there, they, they, they don't mind. And usually I just kind of sit there in the back and you know, I may chime in when, uh, if I see something, something glaring, a lot of times they, they just look over at me and say, and they ask. So it, it's, it's all about that relationship. You know, if, if you can get the admin to message that, that, you know, you're, you're there to, as a resource, people forget about us a lot of times because they think we're, we're IT and the admin can, can message the fact that you are a teacher as well. You're part of the, the curriculum instruction department. You're not IT to fix people's projectors. Then that, that, that's one step. And, and when you, if you have a good relationship with the rest of your coaching staff, then you're definitely uh, getting on those planning days a lot easier. So you have other coaching staff you work with at each of the schools. Is yeah. there is there like a coach at each school in that instance, or is it a like a situation where they're all multiple schools and then you guys are the same schools, or am I? No, where I work, each site has has a team of coaches. So you, there's always one for ELA, math, and science. Mm -hmm. uh, and ELD. So there's four, and then I'm the one that kind of rotates throughout the schools. Um, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> it, it did help a couple of years ago. Our superintendent got on this Google certification kick where all admin and coaches had to be certified. So that definitely helped help my uh, help my cause. Um, okay, so one of the um, let me look at my question. Sorry. So. I want to go back a little bit to you're jumping from place to place and the teachers are reaching out to you. If you were a first time coach and you're asked to do multiple locations, how do you get teachers used to reaching out to you? Because I know when I was a first time coach, I had to physically like go to the teachers during their planning time and I'd like walk around and I'd be like, hey, anything I can do to support you today? And I always get the same comment. 
I'd been meaning to talk to you or I didn't want to bother you or I didn't, I, I've been meaning to, to reach out or I've been waiting for you to drop by just because, again, they would say things like, I didn't want to bother you. And it's like, you're not a bother. You're the reason why I'm here. <laughs> so how do you get teachers into that as a first time coach? One thing I did that actually helped was I said, when you contact me, you help me because then I know what, what screencast to make next or what, you know, animated GIF with a little tech tip. So that's one little thing that made a lot bigger impact than I realized is telling people that when you contact me with a question, it actually helps me because then I get less emails of the same question. So that's one quick tip. Adam, what were you going to say? Well, you know, by nature, teachers like aren't going to reach out to you. You know, right. it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen overnight. It, it takes you, you kind of have to train them to reach out. That's a lot. Of, that's also something I try to do when I'm teaching students. Students don't want, don't reach out and elicit feedback. So you have to kind of train them for that. And I think teachers are the same way as well because for so many years in education we've been taught in silos and we just you know just just leave me alone. And so it, the paradigm has shifted. So what we talk about in one of our sessions, which is a big theme of our book, is becoming a walking coach. That's why we, we set the lofty goal to be in classrooms 80% uh, of the day. That's, that's not always the case, but we, we try to hold ourselves to that. And the more we are in classroom, just quick little walkthroughs and check-ins, the more that we're available, the more comfortable they, they feel um, having you around. We, we, we give out our personal cell phone numbers. And as I said earlier, we're available on a variety of platforms. Once you kind of just build that that culture that you're always available, uh, whether you're in the classroom or not, then they start reaching out more. Because I tell a story about my first my first uh, year on the job. I, I sat and waited for my phone to ring. I waited for those emails and they weren't coming. And one day I did a uh, I did a little uh, experiment where I locked myself in my room, turned the light off, and I just sat there and watched YouTube all day and just to see if anybody would know I was there. And I, I legit watched YouTube all day, didn't do anything. Nobody reached out or even care that, that, that I wasn't around or out and about. And that's when I kind of, I came to the, they hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I need to get out and about and be in classrooms and seeing the, the teaching and learning in its natural habitat. I can't just wait for people to come to me. And once I built that, that reputation of always being around, then people were reaching out. Then my email started blowing up and my texts were coming through and, People were knocking on the door and the phone was ringing, but you have to build that, I guess, that reputation uh, for people to, to reach out to you. And, and, and again, you also, once they reach out, you want to alleviate their pain points. You know, one of, one of the things that I had developed years ago was a, a little spinoff of Matt Miller's uh, Ditch That Textbook. I call it Ditch That Copier because we all have a, uh, a horror story of a copier and, and fighting for it and how it breaks and it ruins lessons and, and, you know, that, that's a common pain point for, for all teachers. Hey, admin, is uh, if you, you it, it saves time, makes you more efficient. If you can alleviate those simple little pain points, again, they're more likely to, to begin to reach out. I also want to just say when Adam's talking about being a walking coach, something else that can be helpful is on your feedback that you give them, if it's a post-it or if it's a, a for Google form or whatever, um, letting them know, hey, if you, you know, giving them a suggestion, have you considered uh, using um, Google Slides for this purpose or whatever, whatever you're teaching? Um, pu putting on there, 
feel free to contact me for more info. I have a video on this or whatever. Sometimes that can help as well. So that's just a one little more little step that I found could be helpful. And I will put with people that are new, I will put my email address on the post. I don't care if I have to put a whole nother email <laughs> because you don't want them having to search through and find it. So make it easy. So can you guys talk a little bit more about feedback? Because I know that, um, I know that with my coaches uh, or with a lot of the coaches that I've worked with in the past where they've got one school and they're in the same, they're in there all the time and everything, they do more like coaching cycles or, but how do you guys handle feedback in your environments? Well, we use a variety of ways. And again, um, like you said, coaching cycles, because I mean, our instructional, my instructional coaching team does coaching cycles. And my experience, coaching cycles does not work for technology because we're not there to assess the technology. We're we're there to assess their content learning. And in my experience with coaching cycles, it's based off of pre and post tests, based off the content, not the technology. So uh, I've kind of tweaked my coaching cycles to be something, I mean, I don't really call them coaching cycles, but it's, again, I I may focus on one department at a time, but as far as feedback, um, again, goes back to being that walking coach and, co- and being constantly being in classrooms. And um, I, mean, I leave a variety of, of uh, feed, I leave feedback in a variety of ways. Um, I, I, I made custom post-its that has my, my email on there. And, and, and I'll leave the two or three post-its, just things that, that, that I like and maybe a suggestion. And then I also have a Google form, a Google form where I, I'm on my iPad and then I'll, I'll fill it out with just observation notes. And it, I have it set up through Formula. So as soon as I hit submit, they're emailed the content of that. So before they, they even, I even leave the class, they are sitting in their inbox for them to check out later. So, so do you yeah, have I'll, a conversation with them about that feedback that you gave them or you wait for them to reach out to you? Early in the year, I, I always set the tone. I go, listen, when I, I remind them when I'm visiting your class, I'm not, I'm not here to, to judge you. I'm not here to evaluate. I'm just, I'm observing. I, I tell them I'm learning from you. I want to see how you teach. And uh, I, I go, I have a degree in history, but um, so I, I know history, but I don't know the other subjects. So I'm there to learn from you. And um, I'm just observing. I'm just leaving observation notes. And I learned a, a lot of good techniques for that when uh, in our new teacher's uh, induction program here in California. Taught that we, you're just leaving a record of what you saw. And that kind of fuels your, your follow-ups later. Um, it's not judgmental. Um, so it, I, I don't talk with them then, but then I they get the email, they, they get the post-it, so they have two forms of feedback. And I will always follow up myself if, if they, um, regardless if they, if, they, if, they, if they reach out to me or not. So there, there's really no excuse. But more often than not, they, they will respond. Um, and they'll come see me or, or they'll ask me to come see them on their private. So it's, um, again, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's, if you're a brand new coach, you need to, you really set that tone and, and message what your purpose is. I think for me with the feedback, as far as conversations, um, because I'm not, because I work with a lot more school sites, it's difficult to find the time to do that. But what I do want to do is spark conversations amongst um, teachers as well. And so what I've noticed is when I will mention in the feedback, 
um, talk to so-and-so teacher, they have been using Quizlet Live for vocabulary or something. Sometimes even when I'm not there, then I'm able, the work continues because the teachers will talk with each other. Um, I would say that the conversations I have with, just because of the nature of my role and the amount of schools I have, the conversations I have are more uh, organic and natural, not from me going in and following up um, because I don't necessarily have the time, but hanging out where they hang out. And so being in the lounge where they eat lunch, um, you know, wherever they happen to be, um, I will bring my lunch and I'll be there. And then conversations just kind of naturally come up and there's questions that way, um, which has been really helpful. As far as feedback, similar to Adam, um, Google form or post-its. Um, I have post-its that have my website address on there and my uh, headshot, just in case they like, don't remember my name and who I am, you know, <laughs> just, it's me. Um, and so um, don't recognize my handwriting. I like to say something that I observe that I like in their class, even if it has nothing to do with technology. I love the way your students were talking with each other. You have a great culture um, in your classroom. And then I like to use the term, have you considered, or I wonder, uh, because it feels non-judgmental. So I wonder if uh, using Flipgrid to record the conversations may help uh, cement the learning, something like that. I love I wonder statements. And I, I hear you, Adam, when you say, um, you know, coaching cycles don't feel like an ed tech coach piece. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you just a little bit of pushback on that because that's actually a major part of my book that I do is actually how we do coaching cycles, but I completely agree with you that the coaching cycles that are out there don't lend to tech coaches. Um, just because, like you guys have said this whole time, it has to be very fluid and it has to be dependent upon what the teacher needs and it has to be, um, you're not looking at the technology and evaluating the technology or evaluating the learning. Um, but one teacher might need to hold hands and really want you in there to co-teach, co-plan, so um, I'd love to have you guys come back if you guys look at my book and I'd love to really talk more about like that coaching cycle um, that I, I drafted or I, I wrote for um, ed tech coaches specifically and get your guys' feedback on that um, and see what you guys think. But anyway, um, sorry. Well, that sounds good. Shameless yeah, plug. And I think <laughs> I like to say that I have, um, that I do many PDSA cycles, mm -hmm. the plan, do, study, act, which you could argue are kind of like coaching cycles, except that in the, where I'm at with the, the pace that needs to be done. And because I don't have as many, um, you know, I'm not at a single school site mm -hmm. all year long. Um, so yeah, so I, it'll be interesting. I'm excited to, uh, to check out your book when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me your favorite story from your book. Favorite wow. story, goodness. <laughs> chock full of stories. I know yeah. there's so there's a lot of stories in our book. Um hmm. I think one uh I can I can start. I can think of one. I don't know if this is my favorite, but it's the one I thought of first, so we'll go with that. Um, I had some teachers that, uh, a team that were very, 
uh, hesitant and scared to use uh, the technology they were, um, their principal said, you're having Chromebook carts in your classrooms and I want them being used. This was uh, a second grade team. Uh, actually, it was a first and second grade team. Right? And they were very nervous that they didn't think the kids could do it. Um, didn't believe the student. They didn't think they could do it as teachers either. Um, and what they wanted from me was pretty much all PD. Uh, just, you know, we don't, we, we're too nervous. We, we can't get started until we know everything type of thing, right? Well, what if something goes wrong? And it's like, well, you can't, we can't live that way. That's not going to work. Um, and so the first time I went out there, I helped them set up the Chromebook carts. I gave them some very basic information. Um, I wasn't in classrooms yet told them how to start, gave them very simple instructions as far as getting going um, with things that would work with academics. And, and when I came back in a few weeks, nothing. Carts had not been opened, nothing happened. Um, so I began just modeling and, and, and I, just, I just opened them up and I said, we're doing it now. And so in the classrooms, I taught some stuff. I taught the kids what to do. Um, and, you know, this was a slow process, but I have to say that by the end of the uh, year, one of the most hesitant, scared teachers, I'm um, actually the whole team was doing great, but one of the absolute most hesitant, scared teachers, the director of technology came in um, and saw that the students were, um, they were screencasting and they were, um, and these are like first graders, right? And so this is not, uh, a seemingly simple task for a first grader, right? Um, and so the, the director of technology had seen this transformation and said, asked the teacher, what was it that, uh, you know, that gave you the, the um, you know, got you past your fear of using technology? And she said, oh, well, Catherine said, if I don't know what to do, I'm supposed to just have the kids help each other. And so that's what I do. So I don't really even know how they're doing this. I couldn't teach you. I couldn't teach you how to screencast, but enough of them know there's a handful that do. And so they teach each other and then I don't have to know anything. <laughs> and so I think that's one of my favorite stories only because um, it was pretty dramatic of a shift to the extent that that director um, noticed a huge difference and was very impressed. Um, but also because it's really, again, not about me it's not about the teacher, it's about the kids. And so letting the teachers know that they don't have to be the experts can be really powerful. Yes, for me, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I think it's probably one of the most important lessons to learn if, if you're a new tech coach. It's more of a cautionary tale. So th this is again what comes from my, from my very first semester on the job. And we had of course, we, we had just gotten, uh, our middle school had gotten about six new Chromebook carts, and they only got them because, you know, we started off online testing for the state, so that's why they bought them. So now we had them, but, you know, then they just hired me, so they wanted me to, you know, teach everyone how to use them, so it, it, was, a, it was a new experience, and our superintendent came through one day on a, a district walkthrough and uh, walked by the, um, <clears throat> walked by the, uh, the, uh, the room in the library where they were all stored, where everybody was supposed to check them out, and they were uh, they were not being checked out. They're collecting dust. So when uh, there's a debrief at the end of the end of the day, superintendent laid into the, to the site principal and pretty much said, you know, why are these 
sitting there collecting dust. He was like, I just hired, just hired you a new tech coach. You know, why we spent thousands of dollars and you know, I, I don't blame the principal to when you get chewed out by your boss a little bit, yet there was a knee-jerk reaction. So when the, the superintendent left, the principal said, all right, here, here's the plan. All right, so uh, from now on, Adam, you're going to be, uh, you're going to uh, report back to me and tell me which teachers are using these and which ones are not. And as a brand new tech coach, you know, new, new to your position, it's a slippery slope, it's an easy trap to fall into. And I, I, st- I luckily I had a clarity of mind at the moment, I said, no, I'm not a rat. I'm not going to sit there and be a stooge here. And and I get why you want me to do this, but I said, here, I'll give you an alternative. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you like a menu of all the different, you know, apps and strategies that involve the Chromebooks that I have, I I have worked with the teachers on and you as the principal need to go out there and look for evidence of it. But the second I start ratting on people, I'm going to, I'm going to lose all credibility and my ability to coach is gone. So, that right there is the, it's a slippery slope and it's an easy trap to uh, fall into that I was very fortunate to avoid. Yeah, I love that because you can't coach somebody who doesn't trust you. Yeah. And if they think you're going to go to administration who's doing their evaluations and all of that, that's that you're right. It is a slippery slope. Well, um, what other pearls of wisdom or information would you like to share with any ed tech coaches um, that may be listening? I think we, if you think about the book, we've covered um, the first major sections, Adam. We've covered like pedagogy a little bit with student-centered. We covered um, hesitant teachers. We covered a tiny bit of logistics of the job. Um, But the final portion of the book is about work-life fusion. Um, We hear a lot about work-life balance right now. And we prefer to use the term work-life fusion um, because we, um, you know, when I go to work, I am still a parent. I am still a spouse. I am still a friend. I am a daughter. And so, um, and similarly, when I'm at home, I am still an ed tech coach. And so I may learn things. We like to learn things from our, from our own kids um, and bring them back. Uh, we like to have more of what we call a fusion. We're not trying to escape um, our jobs when we go home and we're not trying to escape our family when we go to work. Um, and so we've made a lot of friends in the ed tech community that are personal friends now that come to our kids' birthday parties and things like that. Um, uh, Adam uh, tells the story about the Twitter chats. Why don't you tell him the story about the the Twitter chats and how um, our kids? Well, and I'll just say too before he gets into that story, we um, we moderate our own Twitter chat, and the kids know it's Wednesday night. Like, why aren't you doing? Why aren't you doing CV Tech Talk? You know, it's a part of our lives um, in in a good way. So, but yeah, go ahead, Adam. Yeah. I mean- you know, work-life fusion, it kind of harkens back to my experience over at Fresno Pacific University where I got my credential. And the whole mantra was, you know, teaching is a call into redemptive service. So it, it's not, you never really turn it off. And, you know, it, it's like, like when cliche uh, says, you know, if you, um, <clears throat> uh, if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. So I, again, I'm so in love with, with what I do. It's, you know, sometimes I kind of have to force myself to step away because I, love doing it so much, but 
you know, when I first got into the ed tech coaching job, um, a mentor of mine, a good friend of ours, uh, John Capripo, first thing he told me, is like, hey, um, get on Twitter. The uh, experts are out there giving away knowledge for free. That's the first place to go. That, that's going to be your go-to for your own uh, personal PD. So I did that, and I started getting involved with Twitter chats. And no joke, I, I would be on multiple Twitter. I'd be on maybe sometimes two, so at the most three at a time while I was bathing my kids. My kids are in the bath. You know, playing the water and I'm, I'm checking I'm checking the chats and I'm participating and that, that might be an extreme extreme example but you know I, I look back at it now I was like uh, that was kind of a, kind of nuts for me to be that into it but I at the time it just seemed normal I was just so into learning and all that kind of stuff and the more you can learn whether it's Twitter whether it's Facebook now is he's a huge it's a great resource now for education it didn't it wasn't always that way but Facebook groups have exploded in the last couple of years for that, you know, finding boxer groups, Marco Polo groups, if you're in a clubhouse, stuff, stuff like that, uh, you know, all these different avenues, you know, that, that that's, you, you have to constantly learn because as an edtech coach, you cannot know everything. Nobody knows everything. You can try to be device and platform agnostic, but you cannot know everything. But because I'm so well connected now, whatever I don't know, trust me, if I don't know it, I know someone who does. And that, that right there, it's great modeling for the teachers and students that you serve because, you know, I'm not the sage in the stage. I'm not this know-it-all. Because if you come across a know-it-all, people don't want to work with you. And But people, they know that I'm always learning new stuff and I'm bringing it back. And I'm trying to model that for those teachers and the students as well, that I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, so definitely, you know, if you, if you want to take on this position as a tech coach, there's the learning never stops. And if you can embrace that, and make that part of you know your your life at seeing it as a uh, as a calling then you're uh, you're on the right track all right well thank you so much i appreciate it yep thank yes you. thank you you can get the complete ed tech coach by going to amazon you can also check out their websites wonderlearnexplore.com is how you get to Catherine's website and techcoachjuarez.com is how you get to adam's website all of this information and links to their sites and their, and their book on Amazon can be found in the show notes. I really hope that everyone has a wonderful holiday vacation and you have a great and happy holiday season with your family.